When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Utopia. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line, not by David Hartrick, but by Mel Booth. How are you doing, Mel? Yeah, absolutely fine, Steve. Thanks. A bit like the good old days, this man. It is. It's just like five minutes ago when we recorded this intro the first time and then realised I hadn't hit record, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is really, yeah. I'm not going to try any... I, I, couldn't in, I couldn't do an impression of Mr Hartrick anyway with that uh, southern uh, accent of his. And I'm certainly not going to try and match his stats, mate. So, uh, But other than that, I'll do my best. Ah, well, there we go. How, how are you doing anyway? I've had people asking us after you and, and how are you doing? How are you enjoying retirement? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really good, actually, mate. Obviously, the, the COVID thing is a bit uh, restrictive, but I've uh, been making the best of keeping up with uh, with town stuff and watching a bit of cricket and a bit of horse racing and just generally trying to amuse myself with general sport, mate. So, yeah, it's Lovely. been uh, from that point of view, it's been good. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Uh, you probably didn't quite enjoy quite so much, though, the performance against Cardiff on Tuesday evening, uh, which we, we need to talk about. But I think we're almost not going to dwell on it too long just because it was so apparent where the errors were, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, in, you, you can't really quantify individual errors, but I didn't think there was enough urgency um, about the team. And it seems with town that when the wheels fall off, we really struggle to put them back on again. And every department seems to suffer. It becomes a knock-on effect. And so there were mistakes at the back. Uh, the midfield didn't function properly. There wasn't enough communication and movement. And hence, we didn't create anything. And I thought Cardiff pretty much were able to, to dictate things in terms of territory and, uh, and, and how the game went. Uh, and it was a very difficult night for town. It was one of those that you, you're sort of happy to, to consign to the bin. And thankfully, they did that against QPR. Yeah, I, we've had various issues with Huddersfield Town this season, unfortunately, and and in amongst a lot of good things as well. And I think Tuesday was just one of those days where you had all of the, the bad stuff that we'd seen in previous games in terms of being sort of toothless in attack and, and lacking cohesion in midfield and, and individual errors at the back like we'd seen uh, against Stoke and, and to a lesser extent against Middlesbrough and, and at various other points this season. All just sort of happening in one game, um, which which will happen sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it it wasn't a good performance by by any means, and and I thought the 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 result, the scoreline was probably about right. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I don't think anybody would have any arguments with that, mate. It was one of those. I mean, against Stoke, you know, there were, there was creativity, there were chances there, mm. and there were goals scored. So it was a different sort of kettle of fish. The errors still at the back. We, You know, you come away from that game having scored three goals away from home and you've only got yourself to blame. When you look at the goals we conceded, we really have only, only got yourself to blame. So, you know, you go on to Cardiff, it was different because we didn't create anything at all at Cardiff. I mean, it was dreadful. Mm. Um, and so uh, the, the, what was happening at the back had a really, really prominent effect on the two departments in front and nothing functioned properly. And um, we couldn't make the, 
the sort of any significant changes um, to to turn it around. And I, you know, I felt sorry for one or two of the uh, of the lads that um, you know they, they just couldn't get into the game. Uh, and it was as a team performance, it was pretty forgettable. Yeah, I, I think we'll we'll probably talk about some of the some some of those issues as we go through the podcast. But I just think it's. I mean, when the when you got individual errors like like you had with Christopher Schindler losing his man, losing Kiefer Moore for the first goal, Naby Sarr basically falling over himself in the box uh, for the second goal, and then Romani Edmonds Green had come on for Christopher Schindler. Uh, just I think I think Corbran almost had an eye on the next game at two 0 and was just thinking, Do you know what, I'm, there's no point in risking Harry Toffolo or Christopher Schindler getting an injury, um, which is sadly ironic. Now we're talking about it, but. Um, no point risking them getting injury. Let's take them off and get some fresh legs on and get get some minutes into the legs of Ramani Edmonds Green and Jaden Brown. And unfortunately, after we spent all of last week praising Ramani Edmonds Green to high heavens, he he went and and made a mistake. He he committed to the through ball, completely misread it, and then by the time he realised that he needed to get back and and cut out Robert Glatzel, Glatzel just sort of outmuscled him, showed his his nous and his size and just sort of Romani Edmonds Green just couldn't get anywhere near him unfortunately so that's going to happen I don't think that sort of um, negates too much of what we said last week um, he's still a very promising young defender um, and he's now going to get a chance in the team absolutely he... right Stephen those errors that you've just referred to there they're the sort of errors that drive a head coach absolutely crazy because mm. there's nothing you can legislate for, then you know the, your, your game plan does not include things like that happening, uh, yeah. and it's very, very difficult when the, as I said, that when the, when everything goes to pot because of individual errors, it, it becomes extremely frustrating, and uh, it, it affects everyone obviously, and mm. the the whole team sort of framework fell apart unfortunately down at Cardiff from what I could see. Yeah, and and when you're not creating anything, you're putting yourself under a lot more pressure as well, which is something. That, that Dave Hartrick has said a lot on this podcast and Carlos Corbran basically echoed it after Cardiff because if you've got if there's no sense of of any chance of coming back from one one nil to to one one then that just allows the opposition so much confidence and you know just allows them to basically just be organized and defend which is what Cardiff did and just look for for opportunities as you get them at the other end to, to put the game to bed so yeah, it was uh, it was not a good day at the office by any means, but there we go. It it was what it was, and and they they went into Saturday needing a, a big response. I think what sort of one good thing about this town side this season is that they not tended to put bad performances back to back. I think probably Preston and Birmingham back to back is is probably the only time we've really seen that. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is an encouraging thing. I mean, we're not. We're not consistent, as we've said many, many times. Yeah. Within uh, games, let alone from game to game. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And so, you know, you can, it, you know, a, a run of wins would be fantastic, but can you rely on town to produce it? The evidence isn't there. But contrary to that, as you, you know, the flip side of that, as you've said, Steve, is that we don't get a run of a really bad run. Um, you know, one game after another where they've performed badly. So uh, there is. The, you know, you, you have to think that Corberan's sort of um, ethos is starting to take effect. We're a third of the way through the season now, so you would hope that it is. Mm. Yeah, big time. And and it's good to see those responses. But before we move, we get too much into QPR, we need to sort of briefly talk about Christopher Schindler, who 
went down with a horrible, horrible looking injury uh, against QPR at the weekend. Obviously, we're hoping that that it's not too bad. We're recording this just before Carlos Gorbrand does his press conference, um, where I'm sure we'll get more of an update on him. But I mean, it 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 really didn't look good for him. Unfortunately, um, he was screaming in agony, and we could hear him being the empty stadium. You could hear him the other side of the ground. It it wasn't a pleasant place to be, and you could see that the concern on the faces of a few of his teammates quite understandably and he was able to sort of walk off with with a bit of aid but then if it's you you can do that with serious knee injuries as well you know we saw Tommy Elphick did it against Preston last year in in November and he's he's still not played since so um yeah we're, we're still waiting to see what the prognosis is um but it's uh it's potentially a big miss for town uh despite his performance against Cardiff he was really good against QPR yeah he was I thought the first half he was particularly he was absolutely excellent uh, and I'm, I made a note of it at uh, at half time saying that he was looking really strong um mm. and and at it again and reading the game well and you know Shindy is what he is he's a massive uh character uh within our <laughs> club and uh you know He's a miss at any time, but he's so respected around the place and sets such a fantastic example, Steve, um, mm. that, that I think that's where the upset comes from when people realise that this guy is really hurt. And, you know, we're, we're keeping fingers crossed and praying that it's not too serious an injury, but it certainly didn't look good. And just not being able to have Christopher Schindler around a match day squad for any length of time, is going to hurt town uh, because he is that held in that high regard um, as as well as his playing ability. I mean, yeah. the guy has been a fantastic player for town over the last number of years. And, you know, the, obviously he wrote himself into folklore at, at Wembley that day. But aside from that, he's been fantastically consistent. He was player of the year twice in the Premier League. Mm. You can never take that away from him. Uh, so that shows how good a player he's been for town. And last last year, even in the real dark days when we were struggling desperately to try and avoid the drop, he was there every inch of the way uh, and never never missed a minute until right at the at the end when the you know the objective had been achieved. So this is a fantastic a fantastic character, an excellent player, and someone who's held in such regard that for him to be out for any length of time will be a big big blow to Huddersfield Town and to the supporters as well. And especially you know in the last year of of his contract, you know you just wonder what the future holds. Yeah, I mean there is that possibility, unfortunately, that if it is a very long term injury, we might have just seen him play his, his last game for Huddersfield Town but we'll as I say by the time you're listening to this you'll probably know more than than we do um so uh, yeah we'll 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 just have to see with that one it it does leave Carlos Corbrand short of of defensive cover unfortunately uh with Richard Stearman set to miss uh the next two months or so as well they they've got Ramani Edmonds Green who as I say we talked about a lot last week if you want to go back and, and listen to that just skip to about halfway through and we'll uh we'll we'll you'll get past the match stuff and into into other matters but um he's he surely is gonna be starting now. Alex Vallejo, um or Alex Vallejo um is uh, is is capable of playing there as well, although he missed out on the squad place at the weekend with a, with a, with an injury. And um Romani Critchlow, we've seen play at centre back earlier this season. He's also got an injury. Tommy Elphick, as we've mentioned, I don't think he's he's had a minute's training yet this season. Um 
the Mustafa Olegunju has been on the bench before, um, but he's currently on loan at, at Welling. And then you're sort of you're down to then looking at well, can Harry Toffolo do a job there? Um, Carlos Gorbran has, has said in a presser when we were asking about something else. I think we were just asking about whether he needs his players to be versatile and adaptable. Um, and he mentioned that they had had Harry Toffolo training to play as a left-sided centre-back, so that is a possibility. But yeah, it's it's suddenly looking pretty bare bones there, Mel. Yeah, it is, and you know, you, you would you would have to think that Romani Edmonds Green is the the first cab off the rank. Um, you know, he's, he went he went down to Swindon last season and did extremely well in a team that you know topped the League Two table. Um, so he's had that experience in a team that's functioning well. Uh, he's he's gained a lot of a good experience there. He may not be the tallest, but I don't think there's any doubts about his aerial ability. He's got plenty of class on the on the deck. Mm-hmm. He reads the game well for a young kid. He looks very comfortable uh, in his own skin, and you know he would seem to be um, a, 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 an ideal partner for Nabisar, really. And I I wouldn't move Harry Toffolo from left back just for the sake of it. I think no, that Sar. I think that Saar and um, Ramani Edmonds-Green could be a very good combination. Um, I think I've, I've mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we might have arrived at that by accident through injury when mm. Stearman you know, went off, that we might actually have arrived at our ideal combination. Uh, and it could be the case again, unfortunately, through what happened to, to Christopher Schindler. But I think those two could be a very effective centre-back partnership together. I know it's a big ask for a, a young man stepping in, and you, you mentioned the mistake that he made down at Cardiff, but those things, odd things like that can happen, especially yeah. When you've come on as a substitute, and you you know you've got to uh, get into the the sort of pace and the makeup of a game. So I I, I have no qualms whatsoever about uh, Romani Edmonds Green. I thought Critchlow played really well in in preseason and looked uh, as though he was ready to to make an impact. And obviously his opportunities have now been sort of dulled by by injury. Hopefully he's on his way back soon. But yeah, you would think that the Romani Edmonds Green would 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 be a shoe in there alongside Naby Sarr. Um, as long as obviously he's, he's selecting a four particularly um, across the back, um, and you know the the the, the form uh, that they showed on on Saturday in in that that formation was uh, particularly good. So there's they're encouraging things going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and when it has been a three, it's tended to be Jonathan Hogg is the third, and obviously yeah. he's uh, he's absolutely fine. So uh, no issue there. But yeah, it's. As I say, it's it's just that the cover in the immediate term is is a bit of a worry, and Indeed. I think we were we were already sort of with Stearman out until probably February. We already had had a piece about you know do they need to go and get a centre back in January just to make sure they've they've got a bit of extra cover, and obviously with Christopher Schindler's injury, e- even if it even if we turn out to get some good news on that, I think it's. Uh, uh, a demonstration of how short they they can quickly be in that position as it stands. I think they've got Elphick is out of contract, Schindler's out of contract, Stearman's out of contract at the end of the season, and you almost wonder if they just sort of bring their summer plans forward six months at this point. Yeah, it, it will be a consideration, Steve. I'm sure. Um, you know, especially in the in the current climate as well, um, because you know you, they're, they've got decisions to make. And like you say, it could be that circumstance says that they've got to act more quickly. Um, you know, there'll be various other factors that determine what they can do exactly. But uh, they're bound to be looking at it because, as you, as we've just talked through all the various options, I mean, we don't really know how versatile Alex Valedo is, for, for instance, mm. do we? And, 
So, you know, we, we are looking at what we know to be our centre-back options and we're already talking about possibly moving Harry Toffolo inside. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, you, you can't see any of the people from the right-hand side. The options there, you know, you obviously Pippa's not going to play centre-back. DD, um, Aaron Rowe, they're, they're not centre-back material at all. So we, we, we think we know where we are option-wise and it's pretty thin. So you would have to think, that in the January window, Town are going to seriously be looking at bringing in a centre-back option. Yeah, because they're either... What's the it's the famous Jamie Carragher quote, isn't it? Full-backs are all either... Or maybe it was Gary Neville, actually. Full-backs are all either failed centre-backs or failed wingers. And uh, <laughs> I think that... Yeah, I think that, that you've got, as you say, Dehaney, Rowe and Pippa, they're all very much wingers that have that, that play at full-back rather than centre-backs that, that play at full-back, so... Um, it's it's just the way that the 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 game has evolved, but I think yeah they'll I'm sure they'll want to avoid Harry Toffolo um, playing at centre back if they can not not just because it's an unfamiliar position for him, but because no disrespect to to Jaden Brown, but he would be a big miss at, at left back as as we saw against QPR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's you know he's arguably been our player of the season, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's he, he's. He's been terrific ever since he set foot through the door. Um, Toffolo, he's he's a good, honest professional. You know exactly what you're going to get, and he's clearly got a fantastic engine on him. He suits the style that Corbran wants to play, and he really seems to be blossoming. I mean, when when Town are in that sort of attacking form that they were. I mean, down that left-hand side, you know, with with Lewis O'Brien prompting and and him and Karoma, you know, that that partnership down there seems really, really effective. And opposition defences are having real trouble trying to trying to cope with it. I mean, and really, they're not coping with it. You know, the two of them were directly responsible for both goals on on um, on on Saturday, not just in the build-up, but uh, the actual finishing. And that that sort of chemistry down the left-hand side. Uh, I mean, they did a great job of trying to match it on the right-hand side, did Pippa mm. and Mbenza and, and Carol Iting. But, um, you know, Harry Harry Toffolo has really become a key player uh, in this Carlos Corbran setup, a really key player. And we're seeing how he's bringing the best out of Josh Caroma as well. And Caroma is now starting to really be at the forefront of Town's attacking options. And this is something, I, you know, I, I, I always, even when he had the games under under Danny Cowley. I always thought there was a bit of something about this guy, you know, mm. and he showed it in the National League with Leighton Orient, but he just looks to have that little bit of something about him and we're now really starting to see it because the goals have brought extra confidence out of him. He's got good pace, he's got an eye for a chance and yeah, he's a, he's a work in progress and he's a young man learning his trade but there's an awful lot still to come from Josh Caroma and I'm very excited about what he can bring to the party and I mean, I know people are already saying well, we're not missing Carl and Grant because of how well um, Josh Caroma's playing. But that, you know, it's a point. He really is filling yeah. in that left-hand side, bringing the balance and bringing that effectiveness on the left-hand side. And you can't knock him for that. He's doing a really good job. And I think the way that Harry Toffolo is playing is really helping him. Yeah, the the the, the main criticism we had of Josh Caroma earlier in the season was just that he wasn't clinical enough. He, he wasted a, an awful lot of shots. Uh, he had a particular tendency to to take shots sort of 
a bit too early and end up just putting them into the defender's shins or take shots from positions where he, he shouldn't have done. But there's absolutely no criticising him taking that shot on from, from outside the box against QPR. Absolutely the right decision uh, and a brilliant, brilliant finish curled into the, the far top corner. I think I mean, Son was... Young Ming must have been watching, Steve. <laughs> it, it, it was exactly the same finish as that. As his yeah, that's a great point. Brilliant point. Yeah, great point. No, it was it was a, a, a I mean, it was awful defending from QPR, let's be honest. If we were a QPR podcast, um, and I'm glad we're not, um, but if we were a QPR podcast, then I think we'd be absolutely slating the defending from from every department in in the build up to to both the goals and throughout the first half they were they were really really wretched uh, on Saturday QPR and Mark Warburton said he would have made seven or eight changes if he could have done it at the break. Yeah, they were they were woeful, and I must admit I expected a much bigger reaction than we actually saw um, after half time. But to, to to go back to that defending. The first goal, obviously, Carol Eiting gets the assist, and mm. he was passing it, you know, in our own half. Um, but you've 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 got to give Toffolo credit because he first of all he jumped over the ball to let it roll to Josh Caroma, then continued and made the made the decoy run, and that did distract a couple of the QPR defenders and enabled him to exploit that massive hole that was left mm. through the middle uh, before providing what you've already described as a, a fantastic finish, which is exactly what it was. But you've got to credit Harry Toffolo for the unselfish running and mm. making himself a part of it, even though it was only uh, as a decoy. And then obviously Toffolo was heavily involved in the build-up to his, his own goal as well. Um, you know, he, he nodded it to Lewis O'Brien in the first instance and continued his run as the ball went out to to, to Josh Caroma. And then he was in a super position to take the return, little pass and, and finish it really well. So the two of them are clearly thinking about what's happening way ahead of, you know, the, the, the defenders that they're up against on occasion. And uh, they're bringing to fruition exactly what Carlos Cobran wants, that sort of fluent sort of attacking style. And while you can criticise the defending, and it was pretty pretty wretched, as you, you've already said, Steve, I think there's credit there in the, the way that the players are approaching what they're being asked to do. And... The goals came at a fantastic time as well. I mean, the, the first goal really gave Town an, an edge and gave them a chance to dominate. And then to score again just before half-time. Let's face it, they could have had another couple as well yeah. in the first half. But to score the second one uh, and create that cushion uh, just before half-time, I think, was really crucial because I did expect a big backlash from QPR after half-time. And because of the way that Town um, were going about the business, it didn't really materialise. And Town were able to pretty much control the second half. Yeah, there were a few more chances and maybe they should have, uh, have scored. You know, Lewis O'Brien had one on his, fell on his right foot, unfortunately. Yes. Um, but, you know, there, there were good chances created. Uh, Pippa getting forward and causing causing them problems and, and Benza finding a lot of space as well. Um, and, uh, you know, and for me, and Benza just needs to go for the jugular more. He's, yeah. got, he's got the pace, he's got the awareness He's got a good cross on him. Um, and I think if he just decides to go, as I said, go for the jugular, just go at them, put them under pressure. Don't dally on the ball, just go at it. I think that we'd see much more end product out of what and Isaac and Benzer is giving the, to the team. And let's face it, he's giving to the team an awful lot more than we thought we would ever see. So we, we're really enjoying seeing him be a contributor to what Carlos Corbran wants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, he, he didn't. He wasn't too involved in the game uh, on Saturday because 
they they put a lot of their play up the left as we've mentioned and that is a criticism we've had of them before that they've they've sort of isolated the the right hand side and oh sorry left the right hand side feeling isolated I should say and and put too much up the left and become a bit predictable but to be honest on Saturday I couldn't blame them for it I think it was 50% of their their play went up the left as opposed to through the middle or or up the right so and and they were causing all kinds of problems there I thought they obviously targeted found a weakness and targeted it and and they got as you say they got both the goals off that side I thought what was interesting with Toffolo's runs which you've you've highlighted there they were sort of they were through the middle both of them so the the first goal he goes through the middle and gets the def- the center back to to commit to him before he then pulls out to the left and mm. the center back goes with him a few paces and that helps create the space for for Josh Caroma and on the other side you had Fraser Campbell um if you look at, at his run for the first goal he's he's in a central position when when Town start the move and start playing the ball forward just as they're about to cross halfway. And he very intentionally peels out to the right wing to to take the other centre-back that side. And yeah. that's how you end up with, with Josh Caroma having that much space for, to, to, to sort of touch the ball into just before his finish. And then Toffler for the second goal, exactly the same run straight up the middle, only this time the centre-back sort of stays a little bit outside expecting well he's going to go outside again and Toffolo literally just just runs through and there's no one there picking him up because the the center back after the first goal is thinking well he's going to go that way and he just stays his course and just runs straight onto the ball so yeah it must cause it must be a nightmare for opposition defenses because you know you've got this this lunatic left back tearing <laughs> forward the whole time and they just think what on earth is going on what do we do with this guy you know and it's it is it is really causing problems for defenses and it's it's great to see and you're absolutely right actually to highlight uh, Fraser Campbell because he did an awful lot of unselfish running mm. he wasn't in the on the end of a lot of stuff and you know he was he was involved in a bit of build up and what have you but he did an awful lot of unselfish running off the ball which helped other people um to to be successful in what they were trying to achieve and you know you you can you can um not credit that sort of hard work off the ball and for your team and it was a really selfless team performance from Fraser I felt yeah we've we've seen him drop into midfield before we've seen him sort of drop into almost that that number 10 position uh, on Saturday, he was dropping all the way into central midfield. He was he swapped with Lewis O'Brien on a couple of occasions and was was coming back into sort of the number eight role, um, just to sort of send the QP, you know send the QPR players going like what what are they doing here? And there was one move that it was all sort of one touch passes that that came about because of that. And O'Brien ended up sort of swapping with him and, and playing at number nine. They they had Caroline. So the last few games we've had, Eiting has been the most advanced midfielder, and O'Brien has been sort of your box to box, your number eight against QPR. Here they they played Eiting a bit deeper, um, and they had him sort of starting the moves. And as you say, he he started the the move for the first goal, and he was he came deep again for for this other chance that I'm talking about, where they went up the right hand side. It was all one touch passes between. Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it was Hogg to Pippa, Pippa to and Benzer and Benzer to O'Brien, O'Brien to um, 
to uh, to uh, Karoma on the left hand side, and he just needed to. I th- he had and Benza was free for half a moment, and if he'd picked the pass, then he would have he would have had a simple finish. Unfortunately, he just hesitated slightly and ended up having to touch it back to Campbell. And by that point, QPR had, had got back, and and they were able to block the shot. But it was a beautiful move. It was it was uh, it was really really lovely, incisive stuff, and and that was probably the big opportunity they created up the right. Um, and I thought it was it was a clever move to to switch O'Brien and Iton's role slightly. It was subtle. If you look at sort of their heat maps and the touch maps, it's not a massive massive difference. But you just had O'Brien playing slightly more advanced and slightly more to the left, and you had Iting was playing um, much more of a roaming role that saw him come in deep at times. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 as you say, a, a, a very subtle sort of. And 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 I, yeah, I think he's quite right with the roaming role. He he was very effective. It was I wouldn't say that either him or Lewis had particularly the best games that we've seen. But no. what they did within the the framework on the day was really good. And like you say, it did have an impact, even though you're talking about nuances in what mm. you're expecting them to do. And it, it it was really good. And I think I think they were helped as well by the fact that Jonathan Hogg had such a good game. Oh yeah, fantastic. Um, he he was really. Immense in it, pretty much everything he did. Um, you know, defensively, he was he was controlled. Every it was measured. Uh, he read the game so well, and then he got the ball and he used it very effectively. And it was a, a really top class midfield performance from Jonathan Hogg, um, showing exactly what he's all about. And it it did go a little bit under the radar because of the fact that you know Town produced some really good attacking moves, and and people like Karoma and Toffolo and Pippa. Uh, you know, great to see Pippa back, by the way, and, and doing so mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, it, those sort of they were the sort of more the headline makers, whereas Hoggy just did such a, an efficient job all the way through the game uh, that you, you've got to take your hat off to him. It was a terrific midfield performance uh, and, and one which helped every department of the side. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the passing stats now and he, he, Hoggy had one of the highest percentage uh, pass completion rates, which you would expect uh, from a player in his, pose- in his position. But the other thing that was sort of notable was that Town were playing it long much more than they had in, in against Cardiff and in previous games um, and I'm, I'm looking at sort of how much each player has played more long balls Ben Hamer went long 24% more than he did against Cardiff um, you know um We've got Nabi Saar played ten percent more of his balls long. Iting eighteen percent. Campbell eighteen percent. Hogg uh, played six long balls and completed all six of them. And and uh, pretty much all of them were raking passes out to the wings. And some of them were absolutely beautiful moves. And it was, it was genuinely. I'm not even really joking here. You look back at him again, and you're like, "Was that Carolite or was that Jonathan Hogg?" Like you had to double check who'd actually played the pass. Um, so. No, it was, it, but that I, I'm, I'm interested in that because I wonder if that is a after the errors that we saw against Cardiff and against Stoke and and getting caught in their own half in possession against Middlesbrough as well. I wonder if that is a tweak that that Corbran has made intentionally for the longer term, or whether it was just for this game because QPR play that high press and have a high defensive line. It was just an attempt to to get behind them on the counter attack, which obviously they did to great effect. Um, but I, cer- uh, they- I certainly hope it's the former. I mm. certainly hope that this is a long term element that Carlos Coburn wants to add 
to our game because we cannot keep getting caught at the back in possession, creating problems for ourselves by not moving the ball out quickly enough. Mm. And, you know, chip it over the press if we have to do, but I think we've got to move it uh, more quickly and with more options. And certainly on Saturday, Steve, we had the extra options and we were willing to use them. And it was great. Ben Ham has got to have that opportunity to clip it out wide and clip it longer than he has been doing. It's got to be there because we cannot continually get rooted and caught in our own six-yard box. We have got to be able to move it forward more quickly and more effectively. And I think we saw that on Saturday. Uh, and I, I would hope from Carlos Corberan that that is a genuine effort to add that extra capability uh, to our game because we've got the players to do it. And against teams like QPR, you've got to do it. You, there's mm. no sense in letting them press you into problems. No, quite agree. And uh, I think it's... I think sort of that there's almost this there's a bit of a stigma on both passing at the back and playing sort of long ball football and I think I think some people if you talk about defenders passing the ball in their own six yard box or in their own third they'll get annoyed at that and they'll say just hit it long hit it into the corners you get other people saying you know long ball football is sort of dinosaur stuff it's you know it's in the past the reality is that there's a place for for both um and and I thought Town were much, much more effective here. And interestingly, despite the fact that they were playing more long passes, their their pass accuracy didn't didn't drop at all compared yeah. to against Cardiff. You yeah. know that they were they were they were picking the right options. Their the long balls they they played. Um, you know they had they played thirty six more long balls um, against QPR than they had um, against Cardiff, and twenty four of them came off. So that's a pretty yeah. good rate of return for a longer pass. Yeah. That's- so, I don't think, yeah, sorry, Steve. I don't think we can accuse Town of being a long ball team by any way, shape, exactly. no. or form either. You know, it, it's doing it at the right times and in the right places. And and I thought they they picked the options really well on Saturday against QPR, and it helped us at the back. It helped us enormously to not get into a position where we were allowing the opposition to force us into errors and to push us back into our own final, you know, back third. And and I thought it was really encouraging because it shows that we have got the options to do it and we need to do it more often. Yeah, it just makes me think of when we sort of came into the start of last season, Dave and I talked about the fact that Town almost seemed surprised when they were back in the championship that teams would just play straight balls um, up the middle and and uh, and just be so direct because in the Premier League they sort of they'll pass it round a bit more and they'll be they'll sort of try and get around you rather than through you and in the championship it is as we saw against QPR and and not every team is going to be as forgiving in defence as as QPR were at the weekend but that can be really effective you 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 can be over elaborate sometimes yeah indeed. Um, and you know, you you see you see Premier League teams get themselves in trouble by trying to by mm. trying to pass over over elaborate at the back, and you, you see it week in week out. Um, everyone wants to play out from the back, it seems, but you know you've you've got to do it at the right times, and you've got to have the option to take it longer. Um, and I, I think that we we may I hope that we've learned some lessons uh, from the last few games in terms of that because it cost us at Stoke, it cost us against Cardiff, and um, we were much better against QPR. Yeah, 
we've had continually we've had fans questioning is the style of play sort of costing the the, the team goals and and we sort of we asked Carlos Corbran about that after the 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 Cardiff game and I think he was bang on where he said it's the thing is is that we're we're not picking the right options and we're not we're not putting players in positions where basically if you if you're gonna mistakes are gonna happen in football in general uh but especially in the championship you know players aren't as refined as they are in the Premier League and mistakes are going to happen and it's making sure that you're in your own half in a position where if you do make a mistake it's not going to lead to a goal basically yeah. which yeah. sounds simple but town weren't doing that they, no. they were they were putting themselves in positions where they were if, if they did make a mistake the opposition had a, a really easy shot as you know that nabby yeah. self, self-inflicted self-inflicted yeah, completely yeah. so yeah as you say hopefully they have learned from that and 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 that's the end of those errors uh great to see pip as well we mentioned him briefly uh back on the right hand side uh what have you made to him mel um i was e- extremely impressed with him on on saturday coming back into into the team obviously um he he wasn't involved um in the in the starting lineup um previously and it was a great opportunity for him to show us exactly what he's about because this guy looks a quality footballer i mean he's been yeah. plucked from nowhere really uh, which is a great spot by Carlos Corbran and his and his team um, to to get him in, and this he, he looks an absolute quality operator certainly at this level. Uh, I think he brings a lot to the team, uh, getting forward. Um, he's got all the attributes that you want uh, from from a winger. He's solid defensively. He reads the game well, and I've been extremely impressed with him. And I think his game awareness. I think. The way that he links up um, with with his midfielders uh, and the guys at the front is really good. And he gets into positions where defences are really on the back foot. And he's got that that he's got a, a good cross on him, a good pass on him. And I really think that he's been a terrific addition to our team and balances up what Harry Toffolo offers on the opposite side really well. So I've I've been mega impressed with him, Steve. Yeah, and I think just defensively is. He's still switched on as well. Like he, he loves to get forward. We've seen, but and we've talked again. We've talked on this podcast about it before, but just having that recovery pace just makes such a massive difference. When has he um, been out of position? Can you know you, mm. you count the times this season? You can't count many because he's quick enough to get back. He, he yeah. knows that he can if he does get forward. He's he's got the speed on him to get back in position, and he and he does it really really quickly. And you know, there's even been times where he's ended up being the the first defend the first defender back to make the last ditch tackle kind of thing um so no i mean i think he's i think he makes such a big difference this team because we've we've talked a bit about this before but there's there's youngsters who they're fine sort of filling in for one or two games um but you you maybe wouldn't want them filling in longer term and i'm unfortunately i'm not sure D'Amico Dehaney is is there quite yet um and I think, I mean, well, Carlos Corbrand picked Janinia Bakuna ahead of Dehaney for a couple of games. Yeah. So, you know, not, not to try and do down a young player too much, but I think Pippa is so much head and shoulders the, the best player they have at right back. It's it's great to see him back. Yeah, indeed. And I feel I feel a little bit sorry for Aaron Rowe as well. I know we've yes. seen his name on the on the bench a little bit as well, but he would he he fits that bill on the right hand mm. side. Like you say, whether he's quite there yet, a bit like DD, um, you know, whether he needs that extra experience um of, of coming, you know, after coming into the into the Premier League as a wingman basically. Uh, but he, he had that that sort of window, that short little window cameo of, 
of opportunity in, in, in the Premier League. And then it, it went wrong for him for one reason or another. Injuries not helping along the way. Uh, but I think he's got a, a lot to offer um, in in the future if, if, if given an opportunity. But at the moment, as you rightly say, Steve, there is no one to touch Pippa at the moment. Not in the style that Carlos Corbran wants to play. And, and let's hope he can stay as fit as Harry Topolo is doing. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so Mel, you've obviously you've seen a lot of of Huddersfield Town this season. You you were a fan before you took the job, and you remain a fan now. Um, That's a long time ago, mate. That <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, I mean, where do you see Town going from here? Because I think these two games do highlight, as we've talked about, that inconsistency that they have both from one game to the next, and also within games. So. Which which direction do you think they're they're more likely to go, and and how do you think they will go over the rest of the season? Yeah, you you, you look at what's happened already. We're a third of the way through the season, so that's going to give us a pretty good idea. If they were to get on a more consistent run of form, then obviously they're, they're going to push into the top half of the table and maybe even you know get within striking distance of the playoffs. That that would be being really optimistic. I'm hopeful that they can avoid enough bad performances to steer clear of genuine trouble at, at the bottom. Obviously, at the moment, we're still in the in the scenario where three or four bad results, and you, you, you're going to be you're going to be sort of um, you know dodging the edge of the uh, of the relegation places. They're well clear of that at the moment and solidly in mid table. And I certainly see Town maintaining that at the very least. I think that that the mid table, because we're a work in progress and because we're still capable of making errors uh, that we're not uh, able to put right during any 90 minutes particularly I still think that we've got to accept that there are going to be some some hurdles along the way and some hiccups along the way but I do see us being solidly in mid-table really Steve and hopefully if they can grasp the nettle and make this attacking play um, you know more consistent and retain the fluency and get some confidence around everything that they're doing uh, and actually string two or three results together they could push towards the playoffs you just don't know uh, but I I think we're solidly mid-table. I think we will be, despite the mistakes that will come along the way. Yeah, it's it's a, an unusual position for town to be in, solidly mid-table, isn't it? It's been a, a long time <laughs> since we've had that. It, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you forget, don't you, you know, that the, the promotion season was followed by, you know, an epic um, struggle to stay up, but, a, a, you know, ultimately a successful one to stay in the Premier League, which was a fantastic achievement. The following season was pretty much a write-off. Um, you know, they just couldn't couldn't get uh, going and um, really were in desperate trouble all the way through. That had a massive knock-on effect into last season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, you really are playing catch-up uh, from one point out of eight games. Uh, and to, to, to do that and to achieve it um, ultimately was great credit to, uh, to everyone involved. And it, it, it has given them a platform. Obviously, the club wanted to take a different uh, direction at the end of last season. And Carlos was brought in to do exactly that. And this is a work in progress. We can't expect miracles overnight. But I think we're seeing enough of the good things to counteract the bad things that were certainly going to be no worse than mid-table and hopefully higher than that. And really, being optimistic, a push for the playoffs would be fantastic. 
Yeah, I, I think 2007-08 was, was the last time Town were just a solid mid-table throughout the season team. Uh, <laughs> they've either been pushing for promotion or fighting relegation every season since then. So uh, it's a difficult one to get get used to again. But no, I mean, I would, uh, I would agree with that. They seem to be at the moment magnetically attracted to 13th. And I think that's... That's probably about right because you know we, we've we've they've, they've certainly got plenty of flaws as they showed against Cardiff and they've certainly got plenty of upside as they they showed against QPR and I think it's hopefully now it's it's I think that the the thing is with those errors is that it's hard to know whether they are errors that are going to stop at some point and whether this is the beginning of the players waking up and realizing they need to stop making these silly errors or if it is an indication of just the fact that they are not quite in the the right place yet and it's going to take um maybe the rest of the season and a, and a couple of transfer windows to sort that out it's really difficult to predict um town at this stage but i think probably as you say most likely particularly with so many games to come throughout december i think we're going to see more of this sort of this win draw loss win draw loss stuff through to the end of the season to be honest yeah i i, I can't argue uh, can't argue with any of that and i think um you know there there are enough enough players still who want to prove themselves they'll want to be a part of things going forward um that can inspire um you know in, enough confidence in the rest to to carry the team through I think we've got enough ability, certainly, as we, you've said, hover around that, that mid-table um, position. I think that's where we're going to be. Um, but, you know, it's not beyond town to put two or three good results together and maybe push themselves into a slightly better position. And I certainly hope the flip side of that doesn't happen. But um, I think there's enough to be encouraged about um, in what we've seen uh, from from the team going forward, even in some of the defeats, um, to, to think that we're going to be OK, Steve, this season. And probably, like you said, for the first time in a long time, not be either looking over our shoulder <laughs> or praying that we can sneak over that line into a playoff situation because we've had a lot of those over the seasons as well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Mel, uh, and stepping in to David Hartrick's shoes. He, just to give Dave his usual plug, uh, he does have Christmas deals on with Ockley Books. So if you are looking for last minute books or Christmas present ideas for anyone who loves football or if you just fancy treating yourself, you can get on ockleybooks.co.uk. Do you want people to contact you on Twitter, Mel? <laughs> I think you know the answer to that, Steve. Don't you? I'm trying to t- trying to take a very big step back from social media, mate. So no, no, no. Uh, but no, it's 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 good to talk. It is good to talk town every now and again. And um, you know the, the the vast majority of of uh, you know my fellow supporters now. We just want to see the team do really well. Uh, and and uh, you know, but for a lot of these promising young um, professionals that we've got to actually prosper at this level and take the team, take the club forward. Is it strange being a fan again? <laughs> yeah, it is a bit odd, really. You do. Uh, it, it, it is totally, people don't understand this, but it is totally different to when you're actually working at a match and, mm. and analysing things and being dispassionate about it all. Um, it is completely different. The best example I can give you, just to roll back the clock yet again, was the um, uh, the, the 95 playoff semi-final away at Brentford when it went to a penalty shootout. And Darren, Darren Bullock scored 
the winning penalty. And all the way through, all I'm doing is writing, yeah, so-and-so sent the keeper the wrong way, scored low to the right, this type of thing. The actual nuts and bolts of what was, what was happening. And that's all I was concentrating on. The following day, I watched the TV coverage of it. And when the penalty shootout was happening, all of a sudden, my hands started getting sweaty and I'm getting <laughs> butterflies in my stomach. And that's watching it as a fan, as opposed to watching mm-hmm. it as a journalist. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a completely different thing. But when I can actually get back into the stadium, again Steve it would be great to watch it as a fan mate yeah definitely magic hopefully not too long now right thanks for joining us uh, both Mel and the listeners we will see you next time goodbye